Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. And today with me is Mary Julik. And I had heard her speak at a Pure Haven event. And I found her very inspiring. And anyone who has listened to the podcast knows that I love to encourage people to live better, do better, be better. And Mary encompasses all of those things. So welcome, Mary, into the fast lane with me. Thank you, Sarah. I'm delighted to be here with you. So first of all, let's we before we get into the nitty gritty of everything you um are involved with pure haven and that is how i got to know you that's correct and I'm, how long I'm one have of you the, been in that um we purchased pure haven in 2016 i believe so it's been six five or six years that we've been actually involved with pure haven so have you been in business and in things like this throughout your whole life? Oh, I've been I've been in direct sales since 1975. Yes. So practically my whole life. I've probably been in it longer than you've been around, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. So how yes, did you get into yes. it? Well, I actually was just looking for a job. And um, I was a single mom with three boys and I was... Uh, looking for a way to pay my rent. And so I was a, an accountant and I interviewed for a job back in 1975 with a little company called Night and Day Security Systems as their chief accountant. And the rest is history. I've stayed with direct sales my whole life, mostly because I think it's an incredible opportunity for the average person to to have a business of their own and make some money while they're staying home and have some flexibility in their time. So, so what's your favorite thing that you've ever sold? Oh, well, I'll tell you, uh, vitamins and minerals were my first love because I believe in health. And that's sort of what led us down the path to find Pure Haven because Pure Haven is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a company that believes that health isn't just about what you put in your body, which I believe very strongly about, but what you put on your body because our skin is our largest organ. And so it actually absorbs things that you put on your body. And most of us don't think about that. We just go down and buy whatever product we think is gonna make us look younger. And we don't think about what's in that product because we think somebody's watching out for us. Mm-hmm. That's not true. With- personal care products. So when we found Pure Haven, it quickly became my, I don't want to say my second love, because that's not true. It kind of married up with vitamins and minerals so well, that it had a very strong place in my heart. So that's kind of in a capsule, what kind of led me to meet you. Awesome. (laughs) Now I'm glad I know the backstory. And I always find it interesting how versatile and multifaceted women can be. So years and years ago, you started doing direct sales and here you are owning a direct sales company uh, later on. And not only that, but you are a mom on a mission. So you are the founder of Hearts of Hope. Now, if you do not know what Hearts of Hope is, we are going to have all the links to that. Um, So Mary's going to explain what Hearts of Hope is and why it is. And we're going to, we're going to find out all about that today. Okay. Well, 
I, I don't want to go into too much detail, Sarah. So if I am, please let me know because I don't want to bore your audience. But back in 1980, probably 1980, uh, my youngest son was diagnosed with what they called aplastic anemia. And he went on prednisone and he was there for four years. He was 12 years old at the time. Um, well, that's not true. He was a little older than that because he was 18 when the aplastic anemia, when he was 18, the aplastic anemia turned into leukemia. And that was in uh, November of 1984. So that was, um, it was kind of a blow. We did not expect that. It was very unusual for a child that age to develop leukemia at that age. And there was lots of research going on uh, unfortunately, we went to Seattle for a bone marrow transplant and Tony passed away there in Seattle uh, when he was 18 years old. I say that Hearts of Hope, I mean, you can tell 1985 was a long time ago, right? It was 36 years ago. And that was uh, something that I spent the next 36 years working and developing my career and always Tony was there on my mind all the time. I'm sorry. Oh, we're gonna have to edit that out, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Tony was, um, he passed away, but, but the reason then for the next 36 years, I worked hard. I, like you say, became an owner. My life has been blessed from that day forward. And I believe Tony's up there blessing my life a lot. And I've always wanted to not lose his impact on the world. Uh, those people who knew Tony knew what an impact he had on their lives. He was a warm, loving, great kid. He was just a great, great kid. And as a mother, you don't want your children to just go away. Um, I think it was the thing that bothered me most as a mother was that I felt people were forgetting my son and he wasn't worth forgetting for me. So I finally decided two years ago that I wanted to create a memorial for him. And so I started Hearts of Hope. Hearts of Hope is a charity that helps families of critically ill children. And the reason we do what we do in the way we do it is because I also had two other boys that were around at that time. And I found that even through the years of the aplastic anemia when he was so ill, that I didn't give my other two boys the attention that they needed. And they're good kids and they never complained and they love their brother a lot. But I knew in my heart as a mother that I wasn't doing everything that I could do to help them. And they were teenagers also, and they needed my help and my support. But I had a very critically ill child. And so most of my attention was focused on that. And so when I decided to start a charity, what I wanted to do was I wanted to support a whole family, not just 
the sick child. There's a lot, a lot of people out there who support sick children and God love them. That's wonderful. And, and I really appreciate the fact that they do that, but there's few people out there who really understand that the whole family is hurt. I've seen families broken up. I've seen mom and dad split up the amount of divorce that happens after a critically ill child they go through that is just amazing because mom and dad so emotionally involved with the child and what their care is. And if there's any kind of disagreement between the two of them, the care of the child, it can destroy a marriage very, very fast. And then of course, everybody suffers even more. The same thing is true of the other children. They love their sibling, but they also want the attention of their mom and dad. And so those children are absolutely devastated. Number one, if something happens to the child because then they have guilt about feeling selfish. And if they don't, then they, they actually resent that other child. So it is a, it's a kind of a stew that happens inside of a family when there's a critically ill child. And I'm sure for critically ill parents, that same thing happens, but I, my soft spot is for the children. And so I wanted a, a, to do a charity that would support the family and what they needed. And so what we do is we very much personalize our, our charity. We go to the family and we say, what do you need? Um, we have grants that they can ask for where we actually give them money that will help pay gas bills, pay rent, uh, help some of the medical bills. Most medical bills are way too high for our little small charity to take on too much of that, but we do what we can. If they need help, finding somebody to help mow their lawn so that when they come home from the hospital, their house doesn't look a wreck and they have that worry piled on top of them, we'll go help them try to find somebody and pay them to come take care of their lawn or to clean their house for them or give them uh, gift certificates so they can go out to dinner once in a while. So again, it's more of a family thing that we do. We send every child in the family a bag of gifts so that they feel like there's somebody who cares about them, not just the sick child. Of course, we include the sick child. So we, we send everyone a gift. We send them birthday cards every year. We send them Christmas presents. Um, we try to do something for Easter. So we just become a support function for them. So they know somebody out there cares. And Pure Haven has just been fabulous. They've actually come in and they're our, one of our corporate sponsors that help us and they donate to us on all their orders. So I just can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So, And people can find that when, whenever you place an order um, on the website, there is an option. You can, it, you can just click the little box that will say, make a donation to Heart Support, which is super easy to do. So um, I just placed an order for a customer today and I checked that little box. So thank you. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> now this is such a great thing to do because you are right. And the, the critically ill child, absolutely. There are so many different programs that I have seen where they bring different boxes to the child. You know, it is individually made for the child and that is wonderful and I absolutely love it but you incorporating the whole family like that um, that just takes it up a notch because 
you're right. I think they, they probably do get left out and which is really sad because I can't imagine being a parent in your shoes, trying to focus on one child, but then having two other children. So you, you have such a big heart that you're opening, opening that up to everyone. And then when you're talking about mowing someone's lawn, you're, you're like thinking about all the things. Well, that's because that's because it happened to me. I mean, that was one of the horrible parts about it is that uh, we got news that we had to leave with Tony to go to Seattle, um, like within three days of, he went into Stanford for a month. And then the doctors finally said, we can't do anymore. His white cells aren't coming back. He's in real trouble. You've got to get for a bone marrow transplant immediately. So we had like three days. Well, I'm in the hospital with my son and I have no way of, and they said they don't know how long it could be anywhere from two months to six months that we would be in Seattle. Well, what do you do? So I had some friends of my other two sons who came and packed my house up for me and God love them, Sarah. They were wonderful kids to come do that. But a year later, when I finally managed to get back into a home of my own after Tony passed, <laughs> I went to the storage shed that they had gotten and put my stuff in. And they had literally taken drawers and just dumped them into bags. And so then not only was I a grieving mother, but I was trying to set up a house and there were chip dishes and clothes that were just they were put in bags dirty and it, it was it was terrible it was terrible Mike it was and and I swore that if I ever could help somebody I didn't want that to happen to them I wanted them to to be able to again focus not only on their sick child but their other family members and have some of this mundane people don't realize the number of mundane things you do in your life. Right. And, and without help, particularly being a single mom, and we help a lot of single moms, um, a lot of times they can't work because they're taking care of their child. Um, it is, it's devastating. It's devastating to watch what these parents and these families have to go through. And if I can help just a tiny little bit, just a tiny little bit, then I'm, I'm doing my job here on earth. So did, did your other two boys move with you when you went to Seattle? They did. And I was very, very lucky in that both of my boys were perfect matches for their brother. So they all had exactly the same blood types and genetically they were matched. So they, again, that was part of the problem, not problem was part of the tragedy is that they also, one of my sons had to have a port put into his heart and they would take his blood and they would whirl out the white blood cells and put those into Tony. The other son had to have a, he was the bone marrow donor. So at that point in time, 38 years ago, the way they took the bone marrow was they took a needle and they stabbed it into his hips and extracted the bone marrow well, the first bone marrow didn't take, so they had to do that to him twice. So he was in the hospital in 
agony because his hips were in such bad shape after their stabbing him with that needle hundreds of times, extracting his bone marrow. So both of my boys physically, physically gave to their brother to try and save his life. So when we failed to do that, it was um, quite devastating for all of us. Mm-hmm. When and, and I say failure because that's what you feel like as a parent when you lose a child. Uh, you feel like you're a failure because that's a mother's job is to protect their child. And, and when you fail to do that, when your child dies, it, it leaves a scar that never heals. This is helping me heal that scar a bit if I'm helping other people. And so again, I'm always humbled and appreciate when people join me in doing this because I feel so strongly that these people didn't do anything to deserve their critically ill child. It isn't their fault and they need all the help, love and support we can possibly give them. And it sounds like you went above and beyond. So I hope you don't feel like you failed because you did everything you could have done. I, I know that intellectually, I know that it's my mother heart that is wounded. So and I you know three kids than you were worried about, because if they're going through procedures as well, you're probably concerned about the port in the heart. You're worried. I mean, that wasn't just one child. You're worried about all three of them. Yes. Yes. There was one day that was like the only word I have for it is hell. My son's port was removed and he started bleeding out and he had blood from his neck to his knee by the time they got the bleeding stopped. The other son had just had the second bone marrow with removal. And so he was in the hospital and they had him on morphine because he was in so much pain. And then of course I had my son who had leukemia and was getting his bone marrow transplant. So I had all three of them. I have to tell you, Sarah, that day I got on my knees and I said to God, I can't do anymore. I just can't do anymore. You, you've got to take some of this off my shoulders because as a mother, I'm exhausted. I was exhausted. I was exhausted and, and terrified. That's the only word I can tell you is terrified. Well, you're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. How did you have a good support system to help you during this time? Well, I have five sisters, but there wasn't, I had one sister who was there with me at the time. Um, and, and two or three of my sisters had come up to Seattle to be with me during various times. Again, this was a, we went in December December 17th, actually December 19th was my 40th birthday that year. So I celebrated my birthday (laughs) in Seattle, having my son do a radiation treatment. Nevertheless, it was, uh, I did have several of my sisters come up, but the boy's father wasn't at all involved. So I was pretty much on my own with my, my two sons. The, and they were 19 and 20 at the time. So they were, they were a great support system for me. I, I couldn't have done it without them and all that they gave to their brother. Um, and to this day, my oldest son actually runs Hearts of Hope. 
and uh, the other son is one of the directors. So they're very much involved in this. And so they are, they've stayed very close to me throughout all of this. And, and so I would say they're my biggest support system along with my sisters. Um, you can't do this without a support system. You can't. There, it would not have been possible for me to have survived that without a support system. And at the Pier Haven conference, there was a video shown uh, some of the families that were receiving gifts from Hearts of Hope. And I don't know if there's any way you can get me that video that I can share, but I have just tears in my eyes thinking about how excited those kids were and how grateful and how thankful and how good it must feel for you to be able to put smiles on their faces, even if it is, you know, for that one weekend or one day, you know, yeah. but some of those toys, you know, you're giving them some of those toys that if they get a stuffed animal, they might sleep with that stuffed animal every day for the next, you know, five, 10 years. That's making yes. an impact. Well, it isn't what we do. We have a portal. And when someone asks us for help, we ask them to go in and they fill out a, a application, if you would, that actually tells us about their kids, what their kids' ages are, what their clothes size is, what they love. I mean, some young kids like, you know, Paw Patrol and those kinds of things. You have kids who love dinosaurs. So we, we really personally shop for these children. We don't just go buy a stuffed animal somewhere and send it to them. We actually try to get what they would really love to have so that they feel like someone really knows them and cares about them. Mm -hmm. So, so and, and I don't know, Sarah, I can try. I'm not sure which, which video are you thinking about the one that Miranda showed? Yeah. Okay. I, yes, I can probably get that for you, but I'd have to have Pure Haven's permission because it is Miranda. Okay. Um, you can also go on our, um, our website, the Hearts of Hope Network website. Okay. And we have all the stories there and you're welcome to go in and, and look at those and read those stories and download anything because we have, what we, what we always do is we make sure that the families have given us permission because it's a very personal thing. And there are some families who are not wanting us to share their personal information. And so we never, ever do that. Uh, but the, the stuff you see on the Hearts of Hope Network stories have our families have given us permission for us to uh, make those public. So you can probably get a lot of stuff there. And a lot of those stories are in the words of the mothers and fathers themselves. OK, so I'll, we will send people there. But uh, other than donating when you order Pure Haven, can, uh, can someone contact your organization and say, I want to sponsor a family, or can they say, I just want to make a chunk of monetary donation? How else can someone contact you to help? There is a donate page and there is also, I can help on there. Mm -hmm. And so we actually have a place. We haven't finalized that yet. Um, we started out with the reason it was called Hearts of Hope Network. And we wanted to develop a network across the United States of people who were willing to help families. Uh, in other words, Sarah, if you would call me and say, 
um, I need help. I have a critically ill child and you filled out all the portal. And then you said, I need someone to mow the lawns or clean my house. We would have a network of people that we could contact in your area and say, uh, Sarah has this, this need. Can you help us take care of it? And they would do it either for free or for a very minimal amount of money just to pay whatever they needed in order to break even. Mm -hmm. That has not come to fruition because there's been a lot of legal stuff that we haven't been able to work out. But we certainly want to be able to, there is a place where you can put I can help and then Ted would contact you and find out what it is that you were wanted to do and how you could help. Because there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of connection. And whether it's hooking us up with people who know young children who are critically ill, I think for me, that's what I want more than anything is I want people, if you know anyone who has a critically ill child, and we call child up to 26 years old, because it isn't, it doesn't have to be a two-year-old or a five-year-old. I mean, your child is still your child. My child was 18 years old when he died and he was still my child. That didn't make it different for me. So we'd gone to 26 as being the age. So if people know anyone who needs help, I want them to let us know so that I can help them. That's that right now that's, I'm in my later years of my life. And what I wanna do with those last years of my life is help as many people as I can help because God has been very good to me and blessed me in many, many ways. And if I can pass that on, then I think he'll be gentle with me when I see him face to face. <laughs> You have the biggest heart and you, you went through so much. You could have, you could have been bitter. You could have been bitter with God and, and you could have not had this positive outlook at wanting to help people. What do you think? You think that was just innately in you to want to help people? Or did you go through a slightly bitter stage? I won't say bitter. I went through a stage of being um, numb, if you would. I, I wasn't reaching out to God. Um, I was just trying to get through my day and I was trying to do it by myself. And then 11 months, probably a year from the day Tony actually went into the hospital for the first time, uh, I was driving home from work and all of a sudden, it just came in a wave, and grief does that. It just came this horrible wave, and I literally had to pull off the road, and I was sitting in my car with my head down on the steering wheel, just sobbing my heart out. And I finally said, God, I cannot do this. I, I, I can't. The pain is too great. Um, there was no joy in my life, Sarah, none. It was... Um, a dark cloud that um, if I started to laugh at something, I immediately closed down because my son was dead and how could I be laughing about anything? Oh. And so I had gone through that for almost a year. And then 
then that day, I, I finally pulled myself together, put my hands up and said, God, I can't do it anymore. I need you. And you need to know that I had promised my son, Tony, before he died, he had said to me, mom, I'm afraid to die. Because at that point, he was very, very, very ill. And instead of being what my mom wanted to say, which was, Tony, stop saying that you're not going to die. I stopped and I listened and I knew that he needed me as his mother to be there for him to hear his fears. And so I said to him, Tony, why are you afraid to die? And he said, I'm afraid that you and my brothers won't be able to take it. And that this will destroy you. Well, I don't know how you answer that, Sarah, in any way other than to say, it's not, it's not going to destroy me, Tony. I'll be fine. I, and he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, do you promise me? Do you promise me you'll be fine? And I said, yes, I promise you. I promise you I'll be fine. I can do this, Tony. If you can do this, I can do this. Well, it was only a couple of days later that he passed. So here I am a year later and I'm saying to God, I can't do this. I can't do this, God. I don't know how. So you're going to have to take this from me. I went home. I went to sleep. I got up the next morning and I went back to work. And my daughter-in-law, my, my oldest son had gotten married and my daughter-in-law came into my office and she was beaming from ear to ear. And she said to me, she was on her way to the doctor to find out if she was pregnant. She'd taken a pregnancy test and she'd gotten a positive result. And Sarah, it was like, I only way to describe it is like the sky finally cleared of those dark clouds and sunshine finally rained down upon my head. And I was ecstatic. We were laughing. We were crying tears of joy. And it was a wonderful thing. At three o'clock that afternoon, my daughter-in-law calls me and says she just got the test. She was crying and she said, I'm so, so, so sorry. I shouldn't have come by this morning. I'm not pregnant. But you know what that was, Sarah? That was God. And he was telling me that there would be joy in my life again, that I would smile. And I said to her, it's okay. It was God answering my prayer. And that, Sarah, is why I am so absolutely sure that God has blessed me and that he is always taking care of you. Always, always, always is he taking care of you. Always he's there to lift you up. All you have to do is ask. And I just had been too proud to ask. And when he answered me, then whatever resentment, heartache, I simply gave myself to him and said, then you, you lead the way because I know I'm just a simple human. And if I let myself just follow what you do, um, then my greatest blessings. And, and he has blessed me greatly from that day forward. 
Well, you've given me tears and you've given me goosebumps <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Well, he is, uh, it is, it is a wonderful thing. Your life is a, is a beautiful gift and we are so lucky to be alive and to live in this world, to have the opportunity to live a life that can be generous and heartfelt and loving. Um, I, I only want people to know that life is a beautiful thing. And, and yes, we can be hurt. God knows we have to go through some things down here. But always they're just tests to make sure that we're worthy of what he's going to bless us with. And that's all you've got to do is just give it to him and he'll take care of it for you. I, I sound like a preacher. I don't, I don't mean to sound like a preacher. <laughs> no, you sound like a believer and it's refreshing. It's, it's very refreshing to have someone, you've been on a roller coaster and, and for you to still encourage and uplift people is, is extraordinary. I don't believe we're ever given gifts that we aren't supposed to share. Um, if, if you're giving a blessing in your life, the reason you're given that blessing is so that you can share it with the world, not so that you can keep it for yourself. That, you know, none of us are such unique individuals that God points to us and says, you get all the blessings in the world and you get to have everything your way. He gives them to us because he knows we're going to share them with the rest of the world. And so I feel it's incumbent upon me to share the blessings that he's given me with the rest of the world. And I've chosen to share it with families of critically ill children. Other people choose other ways to share their blessings. Well, Mary, any final thoughts for anyone um, who may have a critically ill child um, or a family member who has a critically ill child, any, any advice you have on, and we know how to help them. We know how we can contact your organization, but how can we help our family and friends who might have um, the situation at home? I think the best advice I can give you is don't shy away from it. Don't, don't worry that you are going to, that you have more and they're not, a lot of people have said to me, well, I just didn't know what to say. You don't have to say anything, just be there. Just call and ask how they're doing and don't make it always about the child. Ask how they're doing. Ask if they wanna go have a manicure and a pedicure with you. Can you get a massage for them? Can you cook a meal and take it over to them and say, here, I know that you spent the day at the hospital today and I thought you might want a tray of lasagna to eat when you got home. Offer to mow their lawn, take care of their dog. It doesn't take a lot. It, it just takes letting them know that you're there. That's really what a family needs. They need to know that they have friends and family who are there for them. And even if it's a phone call, that says, I love you. I'm thinking of you today. And I said a prayer. I lit a candle. Let them know you're thinking about them. And don't, don't hesitate. You're not going to hurt them. No amount of help. No amount of, and help doesn't mean telling them what to do, by the way. 
<laughs> because they are getting plenty of advice from doctors on what to do. They just need to know that somebody cares about them or, or take their kids to the zoo. So the other kids have something to do that day. You know, it's, it's very simple. It's really, really simple. It's just do something that, that will help and support them. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.